Mindfulness Mode 55. Meditation can lead to better decision making, etc., etc., etc. And the fact that they just recently found this is insane because we've had a brain for quite a while. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining us. As appreciation for listening, I have a meditation infographic for you called Calm Your Busy Mind. This download focuses on breathing, exercise, and mantras. Get your copy at mindfulnessmode.com slash calm, C-A-L-M. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Greg Clunas with us today. Are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely, I am, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Great. It's awesome to get a chance to talk with you. Greg Clunas is a writer, producer, and podcaster based in New York City. Greg is fascinated to learn all he can about the brain, motivation, mindfulness, and what inspires people to succeed. Although he has no qualifications in psychology or neuroscience, Greg is knowledgeable on the topic because of the many books and articles he reads and the information he's learned from guests he interviews on his podcast entitled Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. So Greg, tell Mindful Tribe, what's the most exciting thing you're working on right now? Well, as you just said, the most exciting thing to me right now is the Tiny Leaps, Big Changes podcast. And Honestly, I, I'm so excited for that show because it, to me, it represents the answer to a frustration that I've had for a very long time. Um, so back when I was 13, I first sort of started to consume personal development and, and self-improvement content and books and videos, et cetera, et cetera. And something I've noticed in the last five years or so is that it's become a lot about saying things that sound nice but have no practicality to it um so for example when you tell somebody that all they need to do to be happy is follow their passion now that sounds really good but for a lot of people just jumping straight into their passion is a very difficult thing to do and a very difficult thing to maintain so my goal is to figure out well what are the actual steps to execute it on that right because that's not very specific is it greg it's not. It's not specific at all. And for a lot of people, it, it's actually a very dangerous thing to say. Because so all of this sort of started from a book I read a couple of months ago. And the author shared the the whole point of the book was this idea of quitting your job and, and pursuing your passion. Right. And that that's a good thing to aim for. Mm-hmm. But what the author skipped over was the months and years of hard work that need to go in in order to make that leap possible. Right. Um, And it was just sort of presented as this thing that you should do tomorrow, which is a dangerous thing to tell somebody that has kids or even if they don't have kids, even if they're in a situation like me where they just have student loan debt or they just have rent to pay, it's still not necessarily a smart way to present the information. And that's that's really what I'm trying to do with the show. And that's why I'm so excited about it. Right. And you're doing a great job sharing that information with your audience. That's for sure. Greg, I want to ask you, what does mindfulness mean to you? To me, mindfulness 
in any aspect of life means being aware of the choices that you make. So whether that be in fitness, let's say you want to lose weight, just being aware of what you're eating or being aware of either deciding to go to the gym or deciding not to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's on meditation, being aware of how you are perceiving the things that happen to you and perceiving your emotions and reacting to those things. So mindfulness to me is just about sitting down and noticing what you're doing, what you're thinking, and how that's going to affect you. And if you still choose to make those decisions, then that's fine, so long as you're choosing to make them rather than unconsciously acting. I listened to one of your episodes, Greg, about meditation, and I'm really fascinated to talk with you about meditation because I know that you know a lot about it. What's your take on it? How do you find that meditation fits into mindfulness? Honestly, I, especially after producing that episode, I'm starting to realize more and more how essential a meditative practice is. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily about the act of meditating. And and by the act of meditating, that means sitting down with your eyes closed and just being. That in itself is one meditative practice. But there are many others such as journaling, free writing, yoga, uh, Adult coloring, I don't know if Mm -hmm. if any of your audience are familiar with that, but that's been a huge, that's had a huge explosion in the last couple of months. Um, All of these practices allow you to give your mind something to focus on that isn't you and your life. And that's really where some of the main benefits come from is how can you separate yourself and create a distance between who you are and the external events that happen. Right. Well, something to focus on that isn't you or your world. That's an interesting sentence that you've shared with us. And Mindful Tribe, that's a great way of thinking about mindfulness too, to just thinking about the focus and not always having the focus on you. And that could bring us into the topic of ego. What thoughts do you have about ego, Greg? I think that... Ego is one of those things that it has to exist. And I think everyone needs to sort of recognize their own ego and their own view of themselves. But where it becomes an issue is when you let it get to the point that you're now diminishing the value of others. Does that make sense? Yes. Because without an ego... For example, I I operate a lot in the entrepreneurship space. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a single person who considers themselves an entrepreneur who could accomplish the things they do if they did not have the ego behind them to back it up. If they didn't feel that they could do something that is different from what has already been done. However, as, as I said, it becomes an issue when that ego steps on other people. Right. Greg, I want to take you back to growing up. I know that you grew up in Jamaica. Take us back there and share with us, if you would, some mindfulness experiences. Now, it might not have been called mindfulness back then, but you can probably think of some experiences that would relate to the whole topic of mindfulness. One of my favorite memories from Jamaica, and and mind you, I left when I was eight or so, so I don't have many memories, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite, 
I was probably about six or seven and, and I was riding a bike with my two good friends down there. Um, and uh, where I lived was just maybe five or six blocks away from uh, my friend's house. And in his house, he had this big yard with with trees that were perfect for climbing, so on and so forth. So we were all riding from my house to his house to go and climb trees. And for some reason, I've always had this image in my head of us on that ride as you sort of felt the wind blowing by. And for whatever reason, it was just such a unique experience for me at the time. And I'm, I'm not sure if maybe it was my first time being able to ride alone or, or whatever the case, but that memory is always stuck in my mind. And uh, as you're asking the question, I, I sort of feel as though that is the essence of mindfulness is being aware of those moments that are happening. And as I said before, being aware of your choices. So whatever circumstances made that moment so memorable to me that it's in my mind now when I'm 23, to, to me, that is the, probably the most mindful moment that I had while I was still there. Very interesting story. And then tell us when you became so interested in personal development and how mindfulness may have been a part of that. Sure. So as I mentioned uh, earlier, when I was 13, I started sort of reading these books. And it's actually a funny story how I got into it. Um, so I have an older brother. Actually, I have multiple older brothers. But this one particular brother... Uh, he lived in Florida, and I, I live in New York. Um, and that summer, when I, the summer of my 13th birthday, I flew down to Florida to stay with him for the summer. And I got there, and as soon as I walked in the door, he handed me a copy of Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins and told me that by the end of the summer, before I left, I had to finish the book. Now, my brother, to give a little bit of context... Uh, worked for many years as a personal trainer, um, very, very big muscular guy. Mm-hmm. So for a little 13-year-old Greg, was <laughs> terrified. Um, I, I did it because I felt threatened. Um, <laughs> so I, I, every day I would read a little bit of the book and a little more and a little more. And it just sort of opened up this world of possibilities. And at the time, when I was 13, I wanted to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had always had this fascination of not so much the brain itself, but why people make the choices that they make. Mm-hmm. And after reading this book and hear, uh, learning Tony's story and uh, starting to do some research as far as um, entrepreneurship and, and those possibilities, that sort of sparked this interest in personal development and, and self-improvement and created this goal of becoming an entrepreneur. And in one of my most recent episodes, I mentioned that at that age of 13, I actually set a very large and completely unbelievable goal of making my first million by the age of 21. Um, Because after reading this book, I started to realize that, well, you've got to aim bigger so that Mm -hmm. wherever you land is further than where you would have if you aimed small. So I set this very large goal as a result of this book, started pursuing entrepreneurship because that seemed like the the most 
clear path to achieving that goal. And ultimately I fell short, but I, I wouldn't take anything back because I think I needed to go through those years in order to be where I am now. Right. Right. That makes sense. Greg, Greg, I know you believe in creating a habit in order to achieve goals. How do you think that can work for mindfulness? I think it works extremely well. The way that I like to look at it is that there are a few different approaches to creating habits. So there is the act of creating a habit that has never existed. Um, And that's, for example, if you want to create a habit out of flossing, that's creating a habit that you don't currently have. But then there is taking something you currently do and forming a habit around it. And that's, for example, if you want to start going to bed earlier, you form a habit around starting to get ready for bed at 930 instead of just sort of waiting until you're tired. Um, And as far as mindfulness goes, if my interpretation of mindfulness is correct in that it is about being aware and about consciously making choices, then creating a habit as far as checking in with yourself when something happens or when you make a choice or when you eat something, just essentially every one of these actions that are related back to the thing you want to be more mindful about, if you were to create a habit that just asked you to self-evaluate and just check in, then all of a sudden you are accomplishing that goal of being more mindful. Right. Greg, have you ever struggled with the concept of mindfulness? Yes, absolutely. Uh, One of my biggest weaknesses actually is that I tend to, whether it be in regards to to things that I, I have successfully done and should celebrate or things that I've unsuccessfully done and should learn from, I have a really bad habit of not acknowledging them. Uh, I have a really bad habit of not taking the time and the space to look at the situation and make decisions based on that. And that's one of the things that I've spent a very significant amount of time trying to, to work on. Greg, I know the topic of the brain fascinates you. Tell us what you've learned about that, just in your own words, in a few sentences. What have you learned about the brain and how it's related to mindfulness? So the brain is absolutely fascinating. And it's fascinating because in the same sense that we don't, we as humans don't fully understand how the universe works, which is this big, massive thing that we can't even really comprehend. We also don't understand how the brain works, which is a much smaller thing that we can comprehend. And that to me, that that correlation is just incredible because we all have one. We all have this thing inside of our heads that is just sort of banging around in our skull, but we don't really know what's going on in there. So every single day they're finding more and more research and studies as far as what areas of the brain are activated when different things are happening to you, what areas of the brain are increasing and growing. And it's just been recently that they've realized that the brain is actually growing. Uh, In that meditation episode, uh, which I believe was episode four of the show, it was found that 
meditation actually increases the gray matter of the brain. And for those of you listening, gray matter is the part of the brain that controls essentially all actions. Everything that your body is doing is being handled by gray matter. And there's another part of the brain called white matter, and that handles connections between different regions of gray matter. So think of those as communication tubes, let's say. So what they found is that meditation actually increases the total amount of gray matter in your brain, which essentially means that meditation can lead to better decision making, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that they just recently found this is insane because we've had a brain for quite a while. <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> quite a while. So <laughs> the number one thing that I've learned is that there's we still don't really know anything. And that to me is incredible. Yes, it is. I, I love how you said communication tubes. You know, I've I've heard people refer to them as neuropathways and, you know, different ways of referring to it. But when you say communication tubes, all of a sudden, it seems crystal clear. You mean I'm creating more and better communication tubes when I meditate? Well, of course, the answer is yes. That's what scientists have proven. So that's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And this is part of the reason that I love producing this show because I'm reading these scholarly documents and this research that's been done by ridiculously intelligent people. They're essentially admitting that they don't really know what's going on. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Greg, what did you study as your post high school education? Uh, so I spent a significant amount of time in multiple different um, degree programs. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, to start at the end, I graduated with an art degree. Okay. But I entered college with uh, the I was in the marketing program mm -hmm. and then I switched from marketing to computer science and I spent about a year and a half in computer science mm -hmm. uh, switched from computer science to economics uh, switched from that to psychology switched from there to actually can't remember the fifth but I ended up in art mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason that I, I jumped around so much the, a lot of it was based on decisions that I made at the time and where I was in my life at the time. But ultimately, it came down to not really wanting to pursue a career that was so tightly wound in any one of those paths because they were all so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, with the show, for example, I've tried to integrate a lot of science and psychology and economics and, and all of these different areas into it, partially because those are all career paths that I've wanted to pursue at some point in my life and still find very fascinating. Right. So yeah, to me, you know, arts, computer science, marketing, economics, there are a lot of variants there. And so you're obviously really well-rounded and you, you obviously love a lot of different things. Tell us about economics and how mindfulness would relate to somebody that's really, really centered in economics. So when you say centered, you mean as their sort of career path? No, I mean, if somebody was really into economics and that was their whole life, then would mindfulness be something that could be valuable for them? Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, more on a, a macro level, mindfulness is something that's, as you know, Bruce, is valuable to quite a few people. I would say pro- everybody. Just about um, everybody. I think yeah. so. So I'm but, obviously asking these questions because I want to hear your take on it, you know? Yeah, of course. Um as somebody who found economics fascinating and spent, whether they pursued it as a career or not, but if they spent their time studying how people make decisions when faced with scarcity, which for many, for anyone listening who who doesn't realize this, that's all economics is. It's decision making when you're faced with scarcity. Hmm. That is the reason that economics applies to everything in life. It's not just about the stock market or finances or how much money you have. It's everything that is scarce. How do we make decisions based on that? So absolutely mindfulness is important there because even just in our own daily lives, one thing that's incredibly scarce is our ability to focus. Right. Part of being mindful is figuring out what to focus on and when to sort of create habits around things that you don't have to focus on it and you can just sort of be on autopilot. So how do you make those decisions if the currency, which is focus, is scarce? That's economics and and that's a huge part of being mindful, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. So tell Mindful Tribe about a specific challenge you've personally faced and how mindfulness helped you get through it. A little over 12 months ago. Um, for, for any of you who don't know, I am currently self-employed, uh, primarily as a freelancer, but also producing the podcast, but this is not my first time attempting that about 12 months ago, I left my job and, uh, the plan was to, uh, pursue a career as a freelancer and sort of start my quote unquote entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and in about two months, so February of 2015, I ran out of money and had to go back to the original company that I left, mm-hmm. um, which I, I can't even sort of begin to explain how painful that was. Um, on one hand, I knew that it was the right decision in order to to buy myself more time and keep moving forward. But the emotional side felt like a failure and felt like, going back, especially going back to this same company that I was a little bit of a loser. Um, And honestly, I wouldn't even say that it was my own mindfulness that allowed me to sort of view that differently. I would say that it was the support and love of my girlfriend and my family who helped me realize that, no, trying once and having to go back to your job doesn't mean that you failed. It means that you need more time. And it means that you need to figure out what you did wrong and try again. Failure only happens when you stop trying. So having somebody external explain that to me helped me to sort to start shifting my perspective on the issue. And I doubled down at work to ensure that they were getting enough value as far as taking me back and then put it, started putting in the time and energy required to make that leap again uh, two months ago and, and put myself in a much better position. So mindfulness played a huge role in that. Otherwise, I honestly feel that, 
and not even my mindfulness, someone else's mindfulness played a huge role in it in that I feel that I, I could have very easily gotten crushed by that. So if you were to advise a client or a friend who felt that they didn't have the support of another person like you did have support of your girlfriend, how could they use mindfulness to move out of a time in their life when they felt that they were just a failure? My biggest piece of advice would be that whether or not you are a failure is based entirely on your own perception. And I could very easily tie this back into psychology and the brain and science and all of those things that I'm so fascinated by. But really what it comes down to is you are the person that is placing meaning on the things that happen to you. No one else around you is. Very well put, Greg. Very well put. I want to talk about discipline and boundaries. Our Mindful Tribe listeners sometimes tell me they have trouble staying disciplined with mindfulness and meditation. How would you encourage them to create that kind of discipline so that mindfulness is a regular part of their life? I would say that in a sense, you have to almost stop looking at it as discipline. I mean, look at the term discipline. There's a very negative connotation to that. And the number one thing that stops people from doing the things they know they need to do is that it's more fun or more enjoyable to do the other thing. So my question to the people who are having issues with this quote-unquote discipline is how can you take that thing that you want to accomplish and that thing that you want to build into your life and make that more enjoyable than the alternative. Because if you can do that, you're going to naturally gravitate towards that action, just like you may not uh, naturally gravitate towards something else that isn't as as productive. So my number one piece of advice, uh, if we were to take this out of question form, is look at the activity you want to build into your life and find a way to make it more enjoyable than the alternative. And that's something that Uh, Very soon, I'm going to start rolling out on the podcast. Right. Greg, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a long time, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge difference in this field. What are your comments about this? Or do you have a story you could share about a bullying situation where mindfulness may have made a difference? So I don't have a specific story, but what I would say is that, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, oftentimes in situations where where bullying is an issue, whether that be cyber or in person or, or whatever the case, mindfulness becomes a very, very important piece of the puzzle from everyone involved. And what I mean by that is after the situation is, is played out, let's say uh, for example, it's in a high school situation. Um, somebody is getting bullied by another person and it gets to the point where where an adult has gotten involved and the issue is being resolved and maybe the bully is being asked to apologize or whatever the case. Um, the person who's helping to resolve that issue should be considering the point of view of both the bully and the person being bullied. It's not always just about the bully apologizing and that's that's the end of it because more than likely that doesn't get at the root cause of the issue. So 
what I'd like to see is how can we look at this situation from all angles and not just victimize one end or blame the other end. Good. Yeah, that's that's uh, very interesting the way you've phrased that. Greg, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. So just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Tony Robbins. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It's given me the ability to recognize what emotions I'm feeling and what that means for the situation. Greg, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Taking a deep breath is the main thing that gets me through the day when I'm stressed. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be, Greg? I'd recommend The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's, it's a phenomenal book on stoicism and how to turn the negative things that happen to you into your greatest, greatest strengths. That's great because that book hasn't been recommended before. So, And I haven't read it either, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? Uh, so there's two that I really love. One is Calm, which I'm sure your audience has heard of, right. and Headspace both for mindfulness meditation. Um, The difference between the two is mainly that Calm has sort of a uh, soundtrack behind it, Um, whereas Headspace is is working more with silence. So I alternate between the two based on what mood I'm in. So what advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? I would say to start on the small things. Earlier in this episode, I mentioned that I made this big audacious goal and failed to hit it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And one of the things that I've learned since then is that the main issue with goal setting is that when we don't hit it, even if we're ahead of where we planned on being, it's still very demotivating. So I would say to focus on setting smaller goals that you know you can achieve and build up momentum that way. And in regard, how that relates back to mindfulness is whatever area of your life you want to integrate this more into, focus on doing something small every day that's going to help you get there. Good advice. Well, Greg, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time talking with you. And I have to say, for someone who is 23 years old, you're way ahead of your time. You have incredible knowledge and incredible insight into this whole field of personal development. So I'm very fascinating. I'm very fascinated in following you and and uh, just seeing how you do with your own personal development goals. But what a pleasure. Thank you so much. How can Mindful Tribe contact you or learn more about what you're doing? Sure. So if you'd like to check out my show, you're already listening to a podcast. So just search for Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, and it should pop right up. Uh, If you want to get in touch with me personally, I'm on Twitter at Greg Clunis. That's G-R-E-G-G-C-L-U-N-I-S. And I respond to pretty much every single person that reaches out to me. So I'm happy to chat with you. Greg, thanks so much. You take care now. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. My pleasure. Bye now. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.